0: Welcome to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. And in this podcast, we're together in Psalm 97. In Psalm 97, we read these words, The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the many islands be glad, clouds and thick darkness surround Him, righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. FIRE GOES BEFORE HIM AND BURNS UP HIS ADVERSARIES ROUND ABOUT. HIS LIGHTNINGS LIT UP THE WORLD. THE EARTH SAW AND TREMBLED. THE MOUNTAINS MELTED LIKE WAX AT THE PRESENCE OF THE LORD, AT THE PRESENCE OF THE LORD OF ALL THE EARTH. THE HEAVENS DECLARE HIS RIGHTEOUSNESS AND ALL THE PEOPLES HAVE SEEN HIS GLORY. Let all those be ashamed who serve graven images, who boast themselves in idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion heard this and was glad, and the daughters of Judah have rejoiced because of your judgments, O Lord, for you are the Lord Most High over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Hate evil, you who love the Lord, who preserves the souls of his godly ones. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown like seed for the righteous, and be in gladness for the upright in heart. Be glad in the Lord, righteous one. Give thanks to his holy name. This psalm has no title in the Hebrew Bible. Though it does in the Greek Septuagint, saying to David when his land is being brought to order or something of that nature. That's the heading in the Septuagint. But the psalm celebrates the fact the Lord reigns. You see the first verse, the Lord reigns, just as it was the first line of Psalm 93. In Psalm 99, so Psalm 97 states the same thing. In Psalm 96, verse 10, we saw this idea that the Lord reigns. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. And you remember in Psalm 96 that all creation was rejoicing and exalting at the fact the Lord reigns. Psalm 97 picks up where Psalm 96 left off. All creation is rejoicing in God's reign. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice and the many islands be glad. The islands would be the coastlands, the islands, the most remote places on earth. God reigns everywhere. God reigns in the most populated city, in the most remote area. God is God of all. And I believe this psalm, probably written in the context of God's people longing for the Lord to bring justice and righteousness, verse 10 seems to indicate that. We'll seek to bring that in. As we go throughout the psalm. But I want you to notice verse 2. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Deuteronomy 4 verses 11 and 12. Describe God's appearance on Mount Sinai in this fashion. Clouds and thick darkness. Deuteronomy 4 11 and 12. Deuteronomy 5 and verse 22 stress the same kind of picture. You see that picture in Exodus 20, in verse 21, and it's picked up at Hebrews 12 in the New Testament. Hebrews 12, verse 18, which comments on God's appearance at Mount Sinai. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Clouds and thick darkness Sometimes God is pictured as covered with light, as in Psalm 104, verse 2. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 16, He dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen nor can see. I would suggest to you that when the Bible mentions God's dwelling in light or God dwelling in darkness, that the point is the same. Deuteronomy 4 verses 11 and 12 stresses that God came in thick darkness, therefore you didn't see anything and you can never make an image of God. In 1 Timothy 6 and verse 16, God dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen nor can see to emphasize god dwelling in the darkness or god dwelling in unapproachable light is to stress that god cannot be seen no man can see me and live as the lord told moses in exodus 33 verses 20 through 23 god's holiness is being stressed god's utter holiness the lord dwells in clouds and thick darkness and righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne we see those same words in psalm 18 excuse me psalm 89 verse 14 psalm 89 verse 14 uses the same kind of language righteousness And justice are the foundation of his throne. And fire goes before the Lord and consumes his adversaries, his enemies, according to verse 3. Psalm 50 verse 3 uses similar words. All of this is to get us to stand in awe of God. To stand in awe of who he is The God whose lightnings, verse 4, says, light up, light up the world. Have you ever been caught in a storm and in the intense darkness and lightning comes and for just a moment, things are visible. Things are visible all over God's lightnings lit up the world. Psalm 29 emphasizes the voice of the Lord, and it emphasizes God's power in a thunderstorm. The thunderstorm demonstrates His glory and His power. Remember, many in the ancient Near East would have attributed the storm to the god Baal, but the Bible says no, our God is responsible For the lightnings, and they light up the world, and the earth is thrown into convulsions. This may be the picture of an earthquake, it may be the picture of a volcano, but but, but obviously the earth is thrown into convulsions, and His presence is a way to express the utter awesomeness of God. In verse 5, the mountains melted as wax at His presence. Micah 1 verse 4 has similar words. Nahum 1 verses 3 through 6 has similar words. In verse 6, the heavens declare His righteousness. In Psalm 19 verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and are telling of His works, His greatness from day to day. But here the heavens declare His righteousness. And all peoples have seen His glory. This sounds the note of the Lord's reign. And our response, all of our responses, all the earth's response should be to rejoice before Him. In verse 7, Let those be ashamed who serve graven images. Notice that in verse 7, as you're looking at your translation, and I'm looking at the New American Standard Bible, the terms graven images, idols, and gods are used basically in parallelism. The terms serve, boast, and worship are also used in parallelism. To be ashamed is to put our trust in something or someone who is not able to deliver us in times of difficulty or distress. And verse 7 says, Let all those be ashamed who serve graven images. Those who put their trust in idols are going to be ashamed because they are serving one who cannot rescue in the day of trial. But the God who is described in Psalm 97 in verses 1 through 6, this God is one who can deliver. He can deliver His servants who trust in Him. He can bring down all those who oppose him. Therefore, in verse 7, even the gods, even the idols, even the graven images are called to bow before this awesome God. In verse 8, Zion heard this and was glad. And the daughters of Judah have rejoiced because of your judgments, O Lord. Zion, Judah, they're particularly in the position to rejoice at a righteous God who delivers them from their foes. A passage that's a good footnote to verse 8 is Isaiah 52 and verse 7. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good tidings, who announce to Zion, Your God reigns. The news that God reigns is good news to the people of Zion, just as it is here in Psalm 97. In verse 9, You are the Lord, most high over all the earth, exalted above all gods, in verse 10, hate evil, you who love the Lord. Loving the Lord means we're going to hate or abhor what the Lord hates. We're going to love what He loves. We're going to hate what He hates. We're going to seek to let our love and our opposition be guided by what He loves, by what He hates. Amos 5 And verse 15 tells God's people to hate evil and love good. Romans 12 and verse 9 tells us to abhor evil, to cling to that which is good. Hate evil. In this context, it is obvious that these people are living in a world where evil evil is real. God reigns, but evil is real. In one of the pictures, one of the reasons for picturing God as he is pictured as such a holy God, such a mighty God, before, all of, before whom all of earth, the earth trembles. One of the reasons for doing this is because this psalm may be, may be contemplating situations where God's people are oppressed and persecuted and looking for deliverance. Those who are doing the right thing must not give in to evil while they wait for the Lord. They must continue to wait for Him because He preserves the souls of His godly ones and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown like seed to the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Verse 12, Be glad in the Lord, you righteous one. Give thanks to His holy name. Much could be said about Psalm 97, and we only do it a little justice, but let's emphasize a couple of things about Jesus. Verse 7 is quoted in Hebrews 1 verse 6. Hebrews 1 is establishing that Jesus is superior to the angels. And Hebrews, 1, and Hebrews 1 verse 6 quotes from Deuteronomy 32 verse 43 in the Septuagint, which differs, by the way, from most of our English translations there. And it also quotes from Psalm 97, verse 7, Worship Him, all you gods. In both cases, the Septuagint has angels. Jesus is superior to the angels, for the angels are called to worship God. But Hebrews 1 uses an Old Testament psalm that is dealing with Yahweh, that is dealing with the God who revealed Himself to Israel and applies that verse to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying to Jesus alone. God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. He has always been, though that truth is more plainly revealed on the pages of the New Testament. But the Lord who reigns, is the Lord who is to be worshipped by all the gods, or angels, in verse 7. And Hebrews 1 takes those words and applies them to Jesus. But I want us to center on verses 2 and 3, because I think they're really fundamental to the psalm. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. When the high priest went into the most holy place once a year on the day of atonement, a cloud came into his presence in Leviticus 16 verse 2, Leviticus 16 verse 13, so that he doesn't look upon God directly and die as a result. The idea of God dwelling in deep darkness is to stress His holiness, His utter holiness. Righteousness and justice are the very foundation on which His throne is built. And no injustice or unrighteousness will escape His notice. None of them will. And this is our hope. That is, we live in a world that is riddled by evil and injustice. That we have a God who is righteous, who is just. And these, these qualities are the foundation of His throne. And ultimately, evil will be brought down. This is our hope. And this is our problem. This is our problem as well. Nahum 1 verses 3 through 6 describes God in the same way he's described in Psalm 97 verses 1 through 6. And it ends that section in Nahum 1 6 with this question Who can stand in his presence? God is righteous and God is just but the problem is there is none righteous no not one according to Romans chapter 3 there's none righteous no not one fire goes out from the Lord and consumes his adversaries when the Greek translation of this psalm was made The same word used to describe fire devouring God's enemies is the same word used in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10 that describes us as being enemies of God. The fact that God is utterly holy, holy, holy. Holy is our hope that evil will not ultimately prevail, but good and truth and righteousness will reign. It is our hope and it is our problem. Because we are not righteous and we are not good. But when the Bible tells us that righteousness is the foundation of God's throne, The same word that the Greek translation used for righteousness is the same word that's used in Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. It uses this word righteousness four times to talk about how God makes us right with Him, how God brings us into a right relationship with Him, how God gives us the victory through Jesus, His Son. God could have simply said about sin, everyone that sin is guilty and going to experience judgment. That would have been right. It would have been fair. And we all would have been lost. But God, God, comes in the person of His Son, we stated in Hebrews 1 verse 6 that a passage that deals with the Lord is applied to Jesus. Jesus comes and subjects Himself to human frailties, never ceasing to be God, and ultimately submits Himself to one of the most hideous forms of death the world has ever known so that those of us who were enemies, Romans 5.10, can be reconciled to God through the death of His Son. That those of us who were unrighteous and unjust can be forgiven and made right with God. God's grace is demonstrated in Psalm 97, just like it is throughout all the Bible. My friend, if you contemplate it, if you contemplate carefully the story of the Bible and the story of Jesus' death and resurrection, there has never been a love story that can compare with the story of God's love for man.